Hello and welcome to this year's first CSF Rheumatology Author Interview Podcast. My name is Professor Peter Nash from Griffith University in beautiful downtown Brisbane. And today I'm joined by an international colleague, Professor Juri Naji from the Semmelweis University in Hungary. Welcome, Professor, and great to have you to discuss with us your recently published paper in the Annals of Rheumatic Diseases entitled The ULAR Definition of Difficult to Treat Rheumatoid Arthritis. So before we start, could you just tell us a little bit about yourself, about your university and your interests, and how you're coping with this COVID-19 pandemic? Thank you so much, first of all. Thanks for the kind introduction as well. So my name is Jörg Nagy. I'm a rheumatologist, a clinical immunologist in, in Budapest, Semmelweis University. And uh, actually, I, uh, I, I work at the university and do a lot of teaching and, uh, and research and also patient care at the Hospital of Hospital Brothers, which is the only Catholic hospital in Hungary. And it's a kind of joint department to the university. Basically, uh, regarding the COVID, as all over the world, we have really difficult time. In these days, it's getting a little bit better. Basically, or elective, elective treatments, so many treatments uh, were stopped. And uh, uh, we also had two uh, COVID departments in, in, in our hospital. Uh, now we have, we started the vaccination, as probably you also started in Australia and, and all over the world. But uh, currently, I think that... Um, uh, around one or between one and two percent of the inhibitants are vaccinated. So it's really um, the numbers are very slowly increasing, but we have a big hope that uh, the situation will, will be improved. It's still very difficult though. And are you doing a lot of telehealth at the moment? Can you repeat, please? Are you doing a lot of telehealth? Yes, actually, this is what we did. We, we switched for telehealth and uh, it works pretty well. The patients like it and uh, we can also collaborate with the general practitioners and other colleagues. And so we try to minimize obviously the uh, patient doctor or patient healthcare professional uh, contacts. Um, and uh, I think that this, this is something what we, we will probably at least partially keep even after the epidemic. So uh, I think that these kind of uh, uh, new uh, practical things uh, will bring a, a long-term change uh, in, in our work. Obviously, we will have much more uh, patient contact later, but whatever can be done at what saves uh, time uh, for the patient, um, uh, then it, this makes sense to, to think it over and uh, a little bit reschedule our work in the future, yeah. Oh, excellent. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, the rationale for putting together this ULAR definition of difficult to treat rheumatoid arthritis? What, what's, what was the source of the inspiration to go ahead and do this? Yeah, uh, may I just start with, with that? Uh, thanks. Uh, I was really happy that uh, this publication was selected and, uh, and is interested uh, to hopefully uh, many readers and also the audience of uh, uh, this forum. So I'm really happy. And basically what this is about, uh, as you all know, 
Uh, we have excellent recommendations for the treatment of rheumatoid arthritis uh, led by Professor Joseph Smolan, and these uh, recommendations are updated. Uh, and so, and we use, the, use these recommendations in the everyday life uh, when we treat patients with rheumatoid arthritis. And we also have the treat to target uh, recommendations. But uh, from the clinical practice, I think everyone who, who is treating patients with rheumatoid arthritis have um, experienced that there are some situations, some patients with problematic disease uh, where we still have many questions. So there are many, many different questions which cannot be answered based on the existing EULAR recommendations or ACR guidelines. And that's why uh, we thought that uh, we should create a, a new recommendation, which is ab absolutely um, in line with the current uh, uh, EULAR recommendations. So or we can even see that uh, the recommendation that we are currently working on can be viewed as, as a part of the EULA recommendation for a little bit, for, for a subgroup of patients with rheumatoid arthritis. And uh, so we saw that this is a kind of unmet need and started to work uh, on this new uh, uh, recommendation. But first, we had to apply to EULAR for support. Uh, and that's what happened a couple of years ago. And uh, so uh, we gathered together um, a task force um, and uh, basically with the task force, uh, which uh, included uh, immune representatives from the emerging uh, EULAR network, also patient partners, also health professionals, also psychologists, pharmacists, occupational therapists, rheumatologists. Uh, so uh, we thought to, uh, that uh, we should uh, first uh, uh, set up a definition of difficult to treat rheumatoid arthritis and even a terminology. So how can we call this patient population? And this was the first step what was done, basically. And uh, the next step is creating the recommendations. And I can tell you that uh, we, are, we, we already have the recommendations as well. We are working on the manuscript and hopefully um, this year, within a couple of months, that will also be available for the audience. Excellent. For those who don't know, what is the MUNET group? That's uh, um, part of the EULAR. Actually, um, Sub-Society for Young, Young Rheumatologists. This was established more than 10 years ago and uh, includes, uh, I think, uh, three or 4,000 young colleagues all over the world, but especially from Europe. And uh, so they have their own uh, interest, uh, especially um, uh, research, education, scholarships, and so on and so on. Um, so this, this really uh, would focus on young colleagues. Okay, excellent. Can you tell us a little bit about how you designed this little study? There was a, a must have been a Delphi questionnaire or something. How did you do it? Yes, sure. So basically what we did, we prepared a grant application. So we had to apply to, uh, uh, and we had to apply to EULA for founding. And uh, when we prepared the um, application, we, we really realized that we need the uh, terminology and we need a definition. And uh, so uh, basically, um, uh, we 
wanted to know what other colleagues believe uh, and what what are the uh, what is the really the unmet need regarding the uh, difficult to treat rheumatoid arthritis so to collect the ideas from colleagues all over the world but uh, focusing on european colleagues we had an international survey um, regarding the characteristics of patients with difficult to treat rheumatoid arthritis and more than 400 uh, rheumatologists completed this survey. And uh, so based on the results of this international survey, which actually was also published in the Annals of Rheumatic Diseases in 2018, and is currently also available, and uh, the uh, steering committee's suggestions, we created a preliminary definition of uh, difficult to treat rheumatoid arthritis before our first task force meeting. So when we had the uh, uh, the grant, when our application was approved by the EULAR, we uh, planned the first task force meeting in 2018 in August. And actually, uh, we worked on the um, uh, recommendations of questions uh, during this task force meeting, and we also discussed the terminology and the definition. Uh, so at the task force meeting, we, we really in detail discussed uh, that uh, what can be the name of this patient population. And basically everyone agreed that drug resistant rheumatoid arthritis or complicated rheumatoid arthritis, and there were many other uh, potential names. These, these do not reflect the clinical situation as it is, as well as uh, the difficult to treat. So we decided to keep the difficult to treat terminology, which otherwise is used in other uh, medical specialties as well like in pulmonology, for example, or, or, or in hypertension. The other thing was the definition, and this was only the matter of a big debate. Uh, we debated the whole uh, definition, uh, we, how many points will it have, and what will be the exact details based on the survey and based on the uh, original suggestions of the steering committee, and we voted uh, for everything. Basically, this is described in the paper how in details uh, was the definition established uh, during the meeting. And after the meeting, we even emailed and the, there some additional changes were made. And then when we finally had the definition, that was also very interesting that uh, it was suggested that we should publish this definition before publishing the recommendations because uh, publishing the definition and the recommendations in one paper, that might be too much. And the EULAR accepted this uh, view. So that's why we could publish the definition uh, last year in October. And, uh, and, and the recommendation is coming out soon. Excellent. So can you tell us the criteria for the definition of difficult to treat rheumatoid? We have this kind of saying that it's a little bit like pornography. It's very hard to define, but we know it when we see it. So what is the criteria for difficult to treat RA? So basically, uh, we agreed on a definition which has three uh, points. And uh, a patient to have um, this uh, like uh, classification of difficult to treat rheumatoid arthritis uh, or uh, the definition of difficult to treat rheumatoid arthritis uh, needs to fulfill all three points. So the first point, the patient must have certain anamnesis or previous treatment. And this is basically 
uh, treatment according to the current EULA uh, recommendations and failure of at least two uh, biological or targeted synthetic uh, DMARs with different mechanism of action uh, after failing conventional uh, synthetic DMAR therapy. So this is the first point. And we all felt that it's very important to have some information about the uh, previous uh, treatment of the patient. So we don't call any patient at the first without any treatment as having difficult to treat. The second point includes all signs, uh, symptoms, which suggest uh, active uh, progressive disease. And this has five uh, subpoints, A, B, C, D, E. A means that at least moderate disease activity according to uh, validated composite measures. The B is really a broad thing, signs uh, or symptoms uh, um, suggestive of active disease. Uh, the C was also a matter of big debate if, if we uh, should include uh, glucocorticoids or not. This was also included in the survey and most respondents uh, supported to include uh, glucocorticoid treatment in the definition of difficult to treat rheumatoid arthritis. Finally, we, uh, we included uh, inability to table glucocorticoid treatment uh, below 7.5 milligram uh, per day prednisone or equivalent. And the D, uh, point D is uh, regarding rapid radiographic progression. And the E is also a very important point because uh, it, I think it's a crucial part of the whole concept of difficult to treat rheumatoid arthritis that not only inflammatory, but also non-inflammatory pain or non-inflammatory complaints uh, are, are uh, essential when we would like to optimally treat patients uh, with difficult to treat rheumatoid. And point E, uh, preliminary focuses on these patients, which says well-controlled disease according to the above standards, but still having airway symptoms, uh, for example, pain um, um, that are causing a reduction in the quality of life. So this was the second point. So one of these uh, um, should be met. And the third point uh, was also a matter of debate, if should be included or not. But finally, the task force decided to include that is that the management of signs and or symptoms is perceived as problematic by the rheumatologist and or the patient. So all three points, uh, if we can um, fulfill, if the patient would fulfill all three points, then our patient has difficulty to treat rheumatoid arthritis. And uh, then um, what to do if uh, the patient has difficulty to treat rheumatoid arthritis? I think it's already important to have this uh, uh, like definition of, for a patient, because I think that this will kind of change the way of thinking of the physicians. So if your patient has difficulty to treat rheumatoid arthritis, then uh, before changing the uh, DMAR therapy to a new, to another targeted uh, therapy, or to, before increasing the dose of glucocorticoids or whatever, uh, we would suggest to stop, to step back and to think again to find out uh, if the patient really has rheumatoid arthritis, if the patient really has inflammatory activity, and so on and so on. So this would be a little bit different concept, but the details are coming out when, uh, when we have published the recommendations as well. Excellent. So we'll look forward to that publication, which will give us some uh, guidance on what to do with these difficult patients. 
There was an yeah. argument over treatment duration, whether that should be in the criteria. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, yeah. That was uh, an originally um, a suggestion that the treatment duration should be included or not. And finally, the task force decided not to include the treatment duration in the definition. Actually, <coughs> I think it's really difficult to define uh, a current treatment duration. So in some cases, maybe that couple of months, after a couple of months, a patient may fulfill all these three criteria. So if we include that uh, at, uh, treatment for at least one year or so, which was basically a suggestion, um, probably in some cases this would not work because some patients would fulfill all, all, all these three uh, uh, in half year or even shorter periods. So finally, we agreed not to include a treatment duration uh, in the definition. And uh, now I think that uh, uh, it was a good decision to leave it out. Okay, and you'll, it'll all come in the recommendations, but is there any, did you talk about predictive factors where that people should be aware of predictors that might define a difficult to treat rheumatoid so you can do something about that early? Well, uh, that's a very good question as well, and it was already raised by, by many colleagues. The recommendation is not focusing on predictive factors, but includes uh, several uh, questions which may make a patient to, uh, to have a high risk to have difficult to treat rheumatoid arthritis. Uh, just for example, if a patient has rheumatoid arthritis with bad prognostic factors, probably uh, those known factors, high anti-CCP and so on and so on, may represent one part of the patients which have very difficult uh, uh, to treat rheumatoid arthritis. That's just one thing. Another thing is if the patient has serious comorbidities or if the patient has the, uh, 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 coexisting fibromyalgia or uh, if the patient has depression or other mood disorders. So, uh, I think that uh, to answer this question, we need to have a validated definition. Uh, this is not done yet. We need to have data from, from registries. So we need to have uh, characteristics of real life uh, of the patients with difficult to treat array. We don't even know what percentage of patients will have really difficult to treat among those who are uh, treated with the uh, targeted therapies. It's estimated that about uh, 30, 40% of all patients may fulfill this criteria, which is a pretty big number though. Uh, so I think that first we need to have a clinical characteristics of patients with difficult to treat array. And then if we have this, it will also be very important to have and to collect all these predictive factors, because if we know this, as you uh, say, then we can probably plan the treatment in a better way from the very beginning. And this will be an important next step. It sounds like a very interesting trial to do. If you can find those predictive factors, think about standard of care failing two conventional synthetic DMARDs before you get to advanced therapies and compare that group with advanced therapies from the very first day, um, given that there's cost restrict and access restriction. But that would be a very interesting approach to compare the two using your definition of difficult to treat. Yes, and I think in everyday practice, even if you don't know this concept, and if, even if you don't read the recommendation or whatever, 
So if you just work as a rheumatologist and you see patients, so if a patient walks to your office with many comorbidities, with serious depression, with very active disease, so even at the first visit, you will have an impression so that uh, we will have a lot of, we may have a lot of problems during the management of these patients. So this is what you are talking about, that we should do the fine tuning of this uh, uh, clinical work. And it's good to have an overall impression about future treatment options from the very beginning. And I hope that our work will help in this to the, uh, to the clinicians, but I also hope that we will initiate a lot of clinical research. Because I can't help thinking that the standard approach of having to fail two conventional agents before you can get access to more advanced therapies is driven by access and economics rather than by evidence. And I hope yes. that will change over time when the advanced therapies become cheaper. Yes, absolutely agree. Okay. And from this point of view, it's also important to define patients with different prognostic factors. And uh, so uh, if, if uh, just to come back to this question, patients with potential um, difficulties are not only those who have a very high level of inflammation and bad prognostic factors, but an, other big patient groups with comorbidities and so on, what I just mentioned, uh, those might be also problematic patients, and especially if these factors appear together. That uh, may, uh, you know, mean a, a very difficult situation in the clinical practice. Yeah, I'm just saying that um, fibromyalgia and very difficult symptoms like fatigue, you've included yeah. in your discussion, but it would lead to very different therapeutic choices. So I think it's very important include those things very important to the patient. Yeah, absolutely agree. And one of the major uh, reasons why we started the whole thing is that uh, we would like to emphasize that if someone has patients with difficult to treat array, uh, the physician uh, should make, uh, uh, sh should be sure that there is really ongoing inflammatory activity. Because in case of fibromyalgia, co-existing fibromyalgia, sometimes the uh, the inflammatory activity is not so high. So as, as you just uh, said, uh, it might not be appropriate to change and to intensify uh, DMAR treatment. Some other kind of treatment may help more to the patient. Uh, maybe that's not even um, um, drug treatment. So... Um, Excellent. So, Kusunum Serpan, thank you very much for your time. Um, we appreciate this very important paper. We look forward to the recommendations. Do you have any take-home message from this paper for the practicing clinician? Actually, uh, it was my pleasure. And I don't know if you could hear me, but I just meant that uh, in addition to pharmacological therapy, we will also focus on non-pharmacological therapies in the, uh, in the recommendation, what is coming out. And basically, the take-home message would be that we are trying here uh, to, to suggest a little bit a new way of thinking for all colleagues who are treating patients with uh, rheumatoid arthritis. And if, if, if they find patients with difficult-to-treat disease, then uh, we, we, we really would, uh, would suggest to 
stop and to think again, to, to consider the diagnosis, the inflammatory activity, the treatment modalities, the education, and so on and so on. And uh, we also would like to, to promote uh, clinical research. And we are, all the groups are also very open for collaboration. So anyone who, who would like to collaborate with us in research projects, uh, then we would be more than happy to participate. And Excellent. I'm, I'm very, very happy to talk to you. Excellent. So thank you so much for your time today, Professor Nodge. This has been the CSF Author Interview Podcast. If you'd like to know more about this paper, and others uploaded to the CSF website this month. You can get detailed slide sets available in the publications section at cytokinesignaling.com. Please subscribe to this podcast in iTunes or wherever you get your podcast from and give us some feedback and let us know what you think. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much. It was, it was my pleasure.